Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Uh, President Biden has announced the ending of the U.S. military presence in Iraq by year's end. So does that mean Iran steps in with its proxies? Does ISIS regroup in Iraq? Meanwhile, in Afghanistan, the Taliban are filling the void as American troops are winding up their withdrawal from that country. News reports are suggesting members of the Afghan army, entire units, are turning over their arms to the Taliban. How much trouble will this cause? Uh, back with us on the program, I'm really glad that he is back, is Major General Jeffrey Schlosser. He was the commanding officer of the 101st Airborne Division, the storied 101st Airborne from the United States Army. He was the commanding officer for 15 months in Afghanistan. He's the author of Marathon War, Leadership in War in Afghanistan. And I said it last weekend, I'll say it again. It is a tremendous book. It is an incredible read. It is honest. It's straightforward. It's just a outstanding book, Marathon War. General Schlosser, thank you very much for coming back on the program. Good to have you with us. Uh, Roy, it's great to be back again. Thanks for having me back. Would you, first of all, give us your thoughts on, I want to also ask you some more questions about Marathon War, but the United States making the declaration, Mr. Biden declaring the United States is pulling out of Iraq by year's end. Does that open up the door for Iran and the and their proxies and the reemergence of ISIS? Well, you know, I think the, probably the short answer is yes. I mean, you know, the first thing is, let me, I don't want to correct you, Roy, but, uh, you know, by year's end, uh, things could be significantly different in Afghanistan. You're seeing really the, the U.S. forces will be out by the end of August. Um, most of our NATO allies, including Canada, of course, will be out as well at that time. And uh, the Afghans will essentially be on their own, other than diplomatic and some financial support. Uh, it's unclear whether the, the U.S. will continue to support them in any other way, like with airstrikes. Uh, right now, I believe the answer is no. Um, so it does open up um, Afghanistan. Of course, the Taliban will do everything they can to take over the country. Um, but as you're referring to, there's going to be a number of different groups that slip in. Al-Qaeda is already on the coattails of the Taliban, and they never have... Uh, change their relationship. It's, it's a close relationship between uh, al-Qaeda, a transnational terrorist group, and the Taliban, who are basically Afghan insurgents. But you're right. You're going to see Islamic State, more likely than not, slip into the safe regions, the mountainous areas, uh, where they can actually uh, also take hold. And there may be other proxy forces. It's unclear to me whether you see Hezbollah try to do something like that, which is the primary proxy force for the Iranians at this point. Very clearly, though, the Iranians have a deep interest in what occurs in Afghanistan, and you should expect them to play a role. Yeah, in general, you've said to us, and you said it last weekend, that uh, you have concerns the insurgents, so, so uh, the, the Taliban and al-Qaeda, will come calling again, and within a generation. Yeah, Roy, well, you know, the truth is, is that... Uh, I'm, I'm being overly optimistic uh, within when I say within a generation. Um, it could be within just a, a handful of years that you'll see Al-Qaeda, who is, you know, their main prime purpose is not to take over land and occupy it within Afghanistan. Their prime purpose is to actually challenge um, the legitimacy of uh, countries like Canada and the United States, almost all of the G7 for sure, 
and they have no love lost for Russia and China. And uh, the world should, uh, this is a wake-up call again, you know. Uh, and I said, I think I said last week on the show, uh, we can forget about Afghanistan, but Afghanistan won't forget about us. And the same is true yeah. about these transnational terrorist groups. You're going to continue to see them pressure. It's not just the West. It's, uh, you know, it's any place that actually has organized government but does not uh, look like an uh, Islamic uh, radical state. Um, General Slosser, we've, we're talking in this country a great deal about the uh, Afghan interpreters and other Afghan nationals who supported and helped and worked with Canada during the NATO mission and the trouble they're in. And uh, I've had interpreters on the air from Afghanistan terrified for their lives because the Taliban, if they catch them, are going to kill them. The first flights of, of uh, interpreters are out, I understand. American uh, forces, or at least the American military and government, have moved the first um, Afghan interpreters who worked with the United States out. Would you please give us your sense of just how much trouble, how much danger these interpreters are in and the others who help the NATO countries? Yeah, I think that the, overall the interpreters, translators, and others that actually helped our countries and, you know, throughout the, and again, it was the NATO allies primarily, those that were in charge of areas such as Canada at RC South, Germany, RC North, Italians, RC West, and of course the United States and Canada played a role in RC East as well as in Kabul. They are in deep trouble. Um, the, the Taliban have a revenge mentality. It's part of the honor code that's uh, baked into most uh, Pashtuns in Afghanistan. Uh, and it doesn't just stop with the primary person. It doesn't just stop with that, that per se, it was a man or a woman who was the translator. It's going to also go to their families. They may not try to kill their families, but they will put them in prisons uh, or otherwise subjugate, subjugate them. They're in deep, deep trouble. And, uh, you know, we've known this for many years. And uh, this, this now oncoming, this upcoming debacle is of our own making. Yeah, there was lots of time. There was lots of time to get this done. And the last-minute solutions are usually not all that effective, uh, unfortunately. I've had more opportunity or opportunity to read more of your book. And uh, I'm, I'm really, I, I keep saying this, but it is an amazing experience. It's a great experience to read your book. I'm, I'm learning things I didn't know. I'm seeing the, the war through your eyes your experiences, and um, it's a very honest assessment of what went on. But here's what I, I want you to speak to this, if you would, General, please, because you say in the book, and you've said it elsewhere, it's about the children of Afghanistan. Would you speak to that, please? I sure would, yeah. So prior to 9-11, before those attacks uh, you know, that occurred in New York and also in the Pentagon, and uh, uh, what you had in Afghanistan was a lack of hope, a lack of future for almost any child, uh, any child. Uh, clearly for any female child, any young girl had no future. Uh, essentially, they were assigned to the house, according to the Taliban. They had to wear a full burqa, which is a, you know, top of the head all the way to the bottom of the ground sheet, basically. And basically, you cannot see the face at all, and nor could they see clearly outside. And more importantly, they could not participate in normal life. They could not go outside the home without a male companion. That would be a father or a brother. Um, and so they actually had no future outside of their own family. 
uh, young male children had a very limited future. Uh, there were many things they could not do. Many things were not tolerated in, in a Taliban Afghan government. Uh, everything from future to, uh, I mean, from music to uh, radio journalism, television, of course, did not play a role. But more importantly, um, businesses, uh, political, uh, you know, either local or, or regional or national politicians, politics were out. There was really no future. And what happened after 9-11 is, is we, NATO, and our allies, our other allies that came in, gave these children, some of them which were born after 9-11, a hope for the future. And after 20 years now, you have, you have young women that are graduated university and are radio journalists. You have some that are politicians and are successful. You have businesswomen. And across the board, you've, had, you've now had young, young adults, men and women, that are uh, pursuing a life that was totally unknown uh, with the Taliban. But that is so fragile, and it's a sense uh, it's really brittle, and I think it's going to come to a pretty catastrophic end here over the next year to two as the Taliban secures more and more of the country. Uh, such a sad, sad reality. I, I watched a video earlier today of, a, of a, uh, an Afghan comedian who apparently was uh, just well-loved and very funny, and the Taliban caught him, and uh, you see how he's being treated in the back of a, a vehicle. He's still laughing, and then they executed him, and uh, just because he was a, a comedian. I have another question for you. You write about character in battle and in war, in marathon war, and there was a question of character among some of the leadership in Central Command as ground troops, who you insist were heroic in their behaviors, were held responsible for failure that wasn't theirs. Would you speak to that, please? Okay, I, yeah, I certainly would. And so for any of our listeners that are curious, this is the Battle of Wanat, which really brought this to a head in my mind, and I write about it inside Marathon War. Um, you know, we send, and this is not just the United States or NATO allies, clearly Canada as an ally does the same thing. We send soldiers and uh, other military members to battles and conflicts, sometimes lesser than conflicts, but they're still challenging. And we send them off and we give them sometimes very difficult missions with very little in the way of things to actually accomplish the mission other than good intent and some very solid training and uh, best wishes. Um, sometimes, you know, we look from them based upon the battles that occur. Sometimes, uh, you know, there are people that are killed uh, in training or they're killed on the sidelines. In this case, Battle of Wamat, they were killed by over, you know, it was a, basically an airborne platoon with the uh, Afghans fighting off 200 uh, uh, insurgents. And we lose nine U.S. airborne soldiers. Uh, the heroism there was absolutely incredible. But what happened later, just for our listeners, is that uh, as uh, these the leaders who actually some of them were awarded with very high decorations, they were also basically uh, reprimanded, and many faced uh, losing their careers, and and some did, one certainly did. And I found that uh, I found that that was not what I thought senior leadership should be doing um, at at my level and above, and I, and I basically protested, and I put bet my stars and, of course, ended up retiring because of it. I do think that uh, rather than denigrate anybody else's character, I don't want to do that on a radio show, Roy, but what I will say is is that I had to demonstrate my own character. Uh, what It was totally unfair what was happening to the commanders below me, 
I felt I had to make a, a point uh, that would be uh, that would you know uh, go through the, our military system. They would understand it, and uh, and I know that even uh, ten years later, it still echoes throughout our our, our army. Um, and I don't uh, I don't regret it, but I thought I thought it was a question of integrity and character on my part. I don't want to talk about anybody else's, but. Uh, um, when we look around, uh, you can tell people that uh, you can trust and that you would go to war with, I think, just by you know, what they say, what they do. Yeah, I salute you for that, General. Thank you. Uh, what do you want to say to veterans of the Afghanistan campaign? We have listeners on both sides of the border, listeners across Canada. We have many listeners in the United States. I hear from them regularly. What do you want to say to veterans of the Afghanistan campaign who feel abandoned and a sense of betrayal as they see the Taliban reemerge in power in areas uh, where they fought, where they were wounded, and where their comrades died. Yeah, I want to say to all of them, and this includes my Canadian counterparts, uh, you know, Major General Mark Lassard was a counterpart in RC South, and uh, a great friend then, and we had similar issues, you know, in leadership I know. Uh, I, I think uh, I would say to all of them, Let's look at what has happened for our country over the last 20 years. We have basically allowed our country not to be attacked because of the pressure we put on al-Qaeda and the Taliban in a faraway place that most people can't find on a map. You ought to be proud of that. It was a very honorable thing to do. I will also say we gave hope to a generation of Afghans. It's not done yet. Maybe those will have to leave Afghanistan, but we gave hope to them, and that's an honorable thing, too. And you have concerns. We'll be doing this all over again. I do. I, I think that uh, our national interest, uh, uh, both in the United States and in Canada, will be um, basically uh, pushed to the extent that we will have to become involved yet again in Afghanistan, clearly yet again directly in al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. And uh, potentially, uh, you know, I didn't answer your first question about Iraq and the Islamic State, but there's no doubt, I think, as we leave Iraq at the end of the year, that the Islamic State will seek to expand back into that country as well. So, you know, we can leave our responsibilities, our global responsibilities, but uh, they'll come back to us in the next generation. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.